Day and welcome to the Cincy Slang and Bearcat Podcast. I'm Coomer, and we're dropping a special episode today because if you're hearing this message, that means Daniel Skilling's four-star wing recruit out of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, has decided to commit to the Cincinnati Bearcats basketball team for the 2022 season. So, as we like to do on the Cincy Slang and Bearcat podcast, we like to talk about these players with people who have seen them play in person, with people who have who have gotten to know them as people, seen their game, learned their tendencies, their strengths. And so today on the podcast, we got Josh Verlin, editor-in-chief of cityofbasketballlove.com, very impressive website covering Philadelphia basketball, which has a lot going for it. It's a great basketball city. Josh was incredibly educated on Daniel Skillings as a prospect about what Bearcats fans can be excited about as he joins the team next season. We also got into a little bit of survivor talk at the end of the episode. So if you're someone who fancies yourself a fan of the show Survivor, stick around for that. And uh, without further ado, let's get into it. Josh Verlin, editor-in-chief of cityofbasketballlove.com. We are now joined by Josh Verlin. I'm going to refer to you, Josh, as the editor-in-chief of cityofbasketballlove.com. Josh, thank you for joining the Cincy Slang and Bearcat podcast. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on. Always happy to talk hoops. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. So we're having you on today for obvious reasons. You are an expert of all things Philadelphia basketball. And the good news for Cincinnati Bearcats fans is that Daniel Skillings, a four-star wing out of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, has decided to join join the Cincinnati Bearcats basketball program starting in 2022. Um, before we talk specifically about Daniel and his skill set and everything he brings to the table and things that Cincinnati Bearcat fans should be excited about, can you tell me a little bit about what you do and what you've built here at the cityofbasketballlove.com? Sure, yeah. Um, uh, we like to call it COBL uh, for short, you know, um, Obviously, City of Basketball Love is a little bit of a mouthful, homage to the city's nickname, City of Brotherly Love. But yeah, so um, we started COBL nine years ago. I've been covering high school and college hoops in and around Philadelphia ever since then. Um, local local kid born and raised in Lower Murray and most you know, famously known as where Kobe Bryant uh, made his early mark and uh, graduated from Temple University with a degree in broadcast journalism. Did one year of Temple Law School when I was just starting off with the site and realized that I was loving the uh, local hoops coverage and absolutely not loving law school. So uh, since then, I've just been, you know, it's been my job to cover the area's best amateur basketball scene at Division One, Division Two and Division Three high school, as well as the recruiting aspect of it. We see, you know, we have a staff of uh, more than 25 contributors. We see hundreds, if not thousands of games every year and events every summer when it's not, uh, you know, COVID COVID era. But, yeah, um, you know, we like to consider ourselves the foremost experts of amateur hoops in the uh, Delaware Valley. So what, where, where does the, where's your history with basketball start? What made you fall in love with the sport of basketball? You know, it's, it's funny. So like I played a lot of sports growing up and I, I, I only played one year of youth basketball. Uh, I was you know pretty, pretty short growing up and I'm like five, eight now, but I was really short growing up. And my, my position in youth basketball as an eight year old was stand at the top of the key and don't touch the ball. So <laughs> same as me. Uh, so I did 
<laughs> right. So like, I didn't really, that obviously wasn't fun. Um, I got, you know, like you grow up around Philadelphia and I went to temple games with my grandfather and saw Pepe Sanchez and, you know, the, the early, you know, aughts, uh, Vill the Villanova teams of 2002 and three and four, you know, all, always caught my interest, but I actually went to the university of Pittsburgh for my first two years of undergrad, 2007, 2008. And that was when they had Sam Brown and, and Dewan Blair and LeVance Fields, and they were top five in the country. And I've written about how I was there at Madison Square Garden when they beat Duke in overtime. And so, you know, I was front row for every single game for two years. And that really just sort of captured me, like how much fun college basketball can be. So when I transferred back home uh, to Philadelphia and went to Temple, then, you know, I sort of always knew like, all right, I'll study, I'll study journalism. And if I have an opportunity to cover some college hoops, that'd be a lot of fun. And I got that opportunity my senior year, uh, writing for a site called Villa Hoops. And once again, just loved being around the game. Uh, that was, I was covering Drexel that year when they, you know, almost they came within a shot of beating VCU and making it to the NCAAs. And they got left out on, on Selection Sunday and went to the NIT quarterfinals. And I was also covering Temple that year. And I just fell in love with, you know, getting to know the players and being behind the scenes and doing interviews. And, you know, I wasn't the writer then that I that I am today. And I'm not, I'm no mere fader, but I'm, you know, I'm an all, all right journalist. But, um, but I just loved it. I just loved every aspect of it. Um, and then when I started COBL that, that spring and people were like, Hey, this is great. The city needs this. Um, there was a guy named Ted Solari who wrote for the daily news for 30 years and he had just retired. So he, you know, there was this big gap of like, who's really going to cover the city's hoop scene. And, and there wasn't a website that was doing the college and the high school and the recruiting aspect. So, you know, it just really, the more I've done it, the more I've fallen in love with this city and its passion for basketball and the relationship that it's had. And, you know, we've been running camps for kids that are trying to go to division two and division three basketball, uh, you know, uh, division two, II, division three schools. And, uh, you know, it's been so rewarding to be able to have sort of that impact of knowing that, you know, I've, I've got literally, we've have helped, you know, dozens or hundreds of kids find the right school. I'm not saying these kids wouldn't have been playing college basketball without us. I don't like to take that much credit, but, you know, to get those texts of, Hey, you know, I, now there's kids that are graduating college that I've got this degree because I met the coach at a camp that you ran. And, you know, we've had high school and college students that have written for us for not over the past nine years. And our high school students have gone on to, you know, study. I'm, I know I'm kind of getting past the scope of your question, but just to give people a little more background, you know, the high school students have gone on to study journalism in college and now are professional writers or the college students. are. So, yeah, it's 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 been really just this evolution over the last 15 years of falling in love with basketball, falling in love with Philadelphia basketball and then developing this organization that has really become an integral part of the city's amateur landscape, which is just awesome. Well, you've built something quite extraordinary here. I haven't, I haven't really run into something like what you've built with COBL uh, before. And we've talked to folks from Minnesota. We've talked to folks from, from Washington and, and the DMV, different areas of the country where recruits have finally, you know, decided to take their talents to Cincinnati. And, and this is, this is something special, especially the fact that it operates as a nonprofit and you have these camp and, and sort of other features for, for uh, I'll call them lower level prospects, but division two, division three prospects. That, that's pretty unique uh, and pretty cool what you're doing. I will say the best prospect ever to come through our camps when, so when you think lower level, uh, there was a kid named Colin Gillespie uh, who showed up for camp uh, before he got into his senior year. Best kid at that camp. And <laughs> five months later, he literally, he, he picked up his first two scholarship offers for division two offers from that camp. 
yeah. then five months later, he's a Villanova commit. It's still the craziest thing I've ever seen. But no, I mean, you know, Marcus Helton in the DMV. I don't know if you've talked to Marcus Helton with DMV Elite. They're an organization that we've really, you know, tried to strive to, to be like. They're, they do an awesome job down there. And actually in Ohio, um, and I, I can't remember all of Ohio geography, but I don't know if you know TJ Petros from NEO Spotlight. They're in Northeast Ohio. They do a great job. So there definitely are organizations that do, you know, similar things and, and really, you know, provide great, you know, coverage and outlets for kids in different aspects of, in different areas of the country. Um, you know, the nonprofit thing is new for us this year. So I'm technically our executive director of our nonprofit. And then, you know, the nonprofit oversees the website. So I'm editor in chief of the website. And we've also expanded to covering girls and women's this year. So um, no, it's, it's been, it's, it's great. It's, you know, uh, I call it COBL 3.0 now because <laughs> 1.0 was when we launched 2.0 was six years ago when we added the camps and now we're this, this nonprofit and, um, you know, I just, yeah, hopefully hoping for big things ahead for sure. Exciting times. Well, I appreciate you joining us to talk a little bit about Daniel. Let's get into, to Mr. Skillings here and, and learn a bit of, more about him. Obviously it, what jumps off the page at first is the way he's being described to Cincinnati fans when you see the headlines about his commitment to Cincinnati is he's a six, seven small forward shooting guard, um, but also a four-star prospect. So I'm going to let you take it from there and kind of give us an overview of, of who Daniel Skillings is as a person and prospect and maybe where he's from. Yeah. So, um, you know, and I, I want to give a shout out to Joe Santa Liquido, who's one of our contributors, a uh, longtime veteran journalist in the Philadelphia area, wrote a fantastic story. Actually, has written two great stories about Dan. Uh, one more getting into his, his personal life and then recently just sort of breaking down his, his five options. Um, but, you know, Dan's a, a late blooming prospect for sure, but one that has a ton of potential ahead of him while already being a super productive player at a very high level. So, you know, to set the stage when we're talking about where he is right now. So he plays for Roman Catholic high school. So I don't know how familiar your viewers or listeners will be with Roman, but it's literally one of these storied programs in Southeast uh, Pennsylvania, especially in Philadelphia, has had, you know, many numerous NBA players that have played for their broad Wanamakers, the most recent, um, but there's been, and it's, it's a long basketball history of guys that have come through Roman. Um, and so, you know, this is a proud program, um, you know, uh, Tony Carr played for Roman, Lamar Stevens played for Roman. Um, I don't want to go too far back because I'm going to age myself. Mark Jackson's a Roman guy. So there's, there's been a long series of, I mean, this is, this is, if you're playing for Roman Catholic basketball, um, that means something, right? So he, he's a kid, he grew up in South Jersey, um, really started getting into basketball in ninth grade, went to St. Joe's Hamilton in 10th grade, which is, you know, a solid program, but South Jersey basketball is not Philadelphia basketball. Um, had sort of a breakthrough, you know, sophomore year. And as has become fairly common, you know, much to the consternation of some other people in the state, but has become fairly common, top kids in South Jersey, that it's not too far for them to get over the bridge. You know, they'll come over and they'll end up in the Catholic League as sophomores, juniors, or even seniors. So uh, ended up at Roman this past year as a junior and really took off. I mean, averaged 19 points a game, uh, eight rebounds a game. Um, you know, he's a 6'6", as you said, 6'6 plus, you know, legit 6'6". Maybe we'll be listed at six, seven in shoes. You know, uh, I don't know exactly what his wingspan in, but is, but it's a plus wingspan. I mean, it's, it's gotta be seven feet. If, if not a couple inches over that, um, you know, just very versatile player. I mean, the, the, I think the biggest knock on him as a junior, I first saw him in person, you know, this COVID year uh, in January and, you know, really adept at getting the ball, you know, to the rim, smooth around the bucket, finishes with both hands, little, you know, one dribble pull up. 
And he had a nice looking three point shot, but he only hit a third of his threes as a junior. And just talking to coaches going into the summer, it was like, okay, he's a good prospect, easily mid-major. But, you know, if to be a two, three at that high major level, you've really got to, you know, be a reliable outside shooter. And I think, you know, even though we don't have stats for his games in April, May, June and July, it was clear that as the summer went on, his outside shot was getting more and more confident. And then, in you know, at Philly Live in June, which is where he really blew up that the high school live periods uh, at the event at St. Joe's Prep here in Philly. I mean, he was just playing out of his mind. I mean, just, you know, taking it to the rim against high level defenders, knocking down shots from all over the court. You know, he can defend the one through the four and even some fives because of that length. He plays hard. He's a you know, good kid, soft-spoken, but, you know, intelligent. Um, and I think he's just realizing like how good he can be. Um, maybe not like right now, but just within the last sort of 12 months. Um, you know, if you read the story by Joe, like he's, he had a you know, bit of a rough upbringing, um, it kind of bounced around. I think he moved, lived in like 30 different houses over like a 10 year span. I mean, really, you know, had it rough and is now finding some stability with his family, with his life, with school, with basketball. And yeah, I mean, he's a four star prospect, but easily could be one of those kids that you're looking at in three or four years, maybe even sooner than that as an NBA draft prospect, because he does all of the things that you would need to, you know, need someone to do with that, you know, two, three at the next level. That's what jumps out to me is, is was when you're talking about someone who's six, six plus with a long wingspan upwards of seven feet, or maybe even a little bit longer. I mean, that's the profile of the type of player that is, that is now salivated over by, by top level college teams and by NBA teams alike. So in terms of seeing that profile and then seeing that only recently did he start getting these flood of offers from, from high level colleges maybe reading between the lines and I don't want to be redundant on this topic, but what is, what do you think he's added then in the last 12 to 18 months that he wasn't previously doing? Like, did he have a growth spurt? Are we seeing someone who grew or are we seeing someone who's, who's branching out? What what happened there? I think we're seeing, I think we're seeing a lot of COVID effect is really what it is. You know, like if this is a kid had that, that not during COVID year, had been doing the, you know, at Roman, like, first of all, his, his season wouldn't have started in January. You know, he would have been with Roman in June and July and then in preseason events. Undoubtedly, he would have picked up eight to 10 offers during his junior year had schools been able to get out and see him. So I think really, I don't, I think it was like a continued, you know, just getting better at, at, at all aspects of the game. But, you know, from I don't think it was like, oh, all of a sudden in the last six months, he made some incredible jump in what he was doing. I mean, his numbers from his junior year don't lie. So I think it was much more attrib- attributable to the COVID pandemic, just sort of delaying everything recruiting wise. So, um, yeah, I think that that's more what it was. Um, certainly, like I said, the shooting. Um, And and just, but I I do want to say not to, I don't want to like create, you know, incredibly sky high expectations for Dan as, as, as good as he is, you know, in terms of like that, you know, end goal goal of getting to the professional, like he's still, you know, he's an, he's a good athlete, but he's not, you know, a high level fast, like he can play above the rim, but you know, when you look at a guy like a Nas Cunningham, who's in the 24 class at Gil St. Bernard, like those hyper athletic wings, you know, Derek Jones Jr. Who came out of here, uh, out of Archbishop Carroll in the Philly area, you know, like it takes a special type of athleticism to get from high major to the NBA. So I think Skilling still has work to do on his body and his athleticism from that standpoint. Um, you know, I think he can be very productive at the college level with his current level of athleticism, but I don't think he projects to being an NBA player because that's that like elite, elite, elite. But in terms of the, you know, the frame, it's there for sure. You know, you have to work it 
getting a better handle right now. You know, he, he can certainly put the ball on the floor in the open court, but he's not someone that you want, like creating against a high level guard. He doesn't have that elite handle yet, you know, a passing ability, all of those sorts of things like that you're going to need, you know, he's not six, nine or seven or six, 10, which you now can be as a three man in the NBA. So, you know, if you're, if you're really talking, I just, just want temper projections from that standpoint that, okay, yeah, he would be a two guard in the NBA. And there's definitely things he would have to work on to get to that point. That's true. His six, six with, with the wingspan you're saying he has, that's going to accomplish plenty at the college level where it goes from there is correct, sort of TBD correct. and we'll, and we'll let that development happen and we'll let him get in the gym and the monster factory at Cincinnati. Um, we are pretty renowned for, for Mike Rayfelt's quote unquote monster factory, which is uh, it's, it's historically built out incredible uh, physiques from the likes of Jacob Evans in the past, Sean Kilpatrick. We've seen good results in terms of player body development. Once they get to Cincinnati, Skill set wise, um, what can you tell me a little bit about Daniel's defensive ability? With that kind of wingspan, I, I, I am envisioning a guy who can be incredibly disruptive. But does he yes, have a good absolutely. motor on that end? Uh, what what no, do you for see sure. defensively? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, like you don't play for Roman Catholic. You know, you, he's used to playing against high major type talent within his league. With I mean, they're playing national level schedule. So like that's the good thing is this is a, a young man who's like it's not like he's just been able to coast through high school and score 20 points a game and, and hasn't had to focus on the other end of the court. I mean, he's his high school coach at Roman. Uh, well, last year it was Matt Griffin, who's now an assistant coach at Albany. His coach this year is Chris, Chris McNesby, who was the former Roman coach who led them to multiple Catholic league and state championships has coached coach, Tony Carr, Lamar Stevens, all those guys. So, uh, you know, he's playing for extremely high level coaches and they really have him focusing on both ends of the court. So, yes, very effective defender, as I said, can defend really the one through the four, even some smaller fives with that wingspan. Definitely puts in energy and effort on that end of the court. Um, you know, not elite foot speed, but because of his length and his size and his general IQ and, you know, that's not a- as big an issue for him. Um you know, I don't know if he'll guard point guards in the Big 12, right? But he certainly can guard twos, threes, and fours uh, from, a, you know, I, I would imagine from an early um, early on in his college career. Sure, sure. Certainly yes. if, if Cincinnati were staying in the AAC, which I'm much more familiar with, you know, <laughs> to compare him to Temple, I could say, oh, yeah, definitely. He matches up really well against the Julio Whites and those kinds of guys and absolutely can handle them. I'm not as familiar with the Big 12. I know it's clearly like the next step up. So, you know, I wouldn't set that level of expectation for him as a freshman. Um, But, you know, he definitely has the potential to be a high level defender. Well, we see him choosing Cincinnati over the likes of Pittsburgh and North Carolina state and several ACC schools. Obviously one of the big incentivizers maybe for Cincinnati is the fact that we will be moving into the big 12 in a couple of seasons. Daniel may probably only play actually one season in the American athletic. Um, in terms of, of his skill set, like, do you think he's a clear cut uh, Big 12 caliber player? I mean, this is now projected to be one of the top two or three conferences in college basketball at this point. Yeah, I mean, I think you're talking about a legitimate, you know, top 50 level recruit by the time things are all said and done. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I think, look, I mean, recruiting is an imperfect game. You know, there's always kids that surprise you on one end or disappoint you on the other end. And sometimes you can never quite say why. So, you know, it's not like, Oh, guaranteed a hundred percent, you know, all rookie. Like I'm not going to make those kinds of projections because you never know what's going to happen. But he's certainly from everything that I've seen of him, from what I know about 
you know, college basketball, having covered it over the last 10 years and seen enough of it. Yeah, I, I certainly think this is a very nice pickup for Cincinnati. And, um, you know, I think the fact that they beat out high major programs, now that Cincinnati is a high major program, but the fact that they beat out, as you said, ACC level programs at Pitt and, and, and these established programs uh, for him, I think is a good sign, you know, without talking to him, he, he, he mentioned just when we were talking about his top five, he did mention the move to the big 12 as a, as a bonus for the program without talking to him about the commitment yet. Um, I, I don't want to put words as to exactly why he made the decision, but I would certainly think that it helped. That helped. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't yeah, seem like I, I the kind imagine, of thing that I can't imagine hurt. it hurt. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they're going to the big 12. I, I never mind. Right. Oh, I was, I was going to like them, but now they're playing better basketball. Teams, never so. mind. Never mind. Right. So offensively, we've you've referenced his shooting ability, which is which is enticing when when you talk about his length and his size. Um, it sounds like he has expanded his ball handling, though it's still a point of emphasis. Though coming out of high school, if you're not a, a an elite point guard, it feels like that's always a point of emphasis for a lot of the players who come yeah. out of high school. Um, how about his ability to create for others, or you know, his ability for passing and and having vision and creating for others? Um, is that something that's in his skill set at this point? It's not like. He's not selfish. I don't want to say that he's selfish. It's just not, he's, you know, he plays with other guards that are, are better creators. So, you know, I, I think he only averaged like an assist a game last year, but he, you know, he, I think his role right now is three and D, you know, I think when he gets to college, my assumption is that, you know, he'll take, he'll, he'll, he'll be a spot up guy, one dribble pull-ups, straight line drives. You know, if he gets in a mismatch situation, he can take somebody, you know, you know, one will get, get into the lane on a rip. Um, you know, finish above the rim, those sorts of things, get out in transition and run. Um, and I, so I think like if he ends up with the ball in his hands in transition with an open court, yeah, he can, he can look for guys and he can make passes, but he's not a guy that you're going to like put him up on the top of the key and say, okay, run this play. And Dan's going to be dishing all over the, the court, maybe as a junior or senior, but I think my guess would be, it'll be much more of the, he'll stay in the two guard, you know, wing three and D kind of role. Um, and that's where he can really excel. We've got a new coach this season in Wes Miller, and for, by all accounts, he's bringing a style of play that, that starts on the defensive end of the court, um, tenacious defense, lots of transition basketball, lots of get up and down, run run the ball when you can. And, and it's because he comes from the school of Roy Williams, who, who plays that exact same style. Daniel Skilling's skill set would seem to fit directly into that, which is disruption on the defensive end and then get out and run for, for an easy three or a finish in, in traffic. It sounds like that's kind of perfect for his game. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I would imagine if you're Wes Miller and, you know, you want to start establishing a system, you're going to want to recruit guys that can do what you want them to do. So um, yep. having not seen much of his his UNC Greensboro teams, but, uh, you know, if from what you're saying, then certainly, yeah, it sounds like it's a good fit. Well, lastly, I I, I, that, being, that being said, I don't think there's many teams for which Dan Skilling's skill set would be a bad fit, you know? <laughs> Three and D is pretty, uh, it, it's moldable. Like who's yeah. turning down six, There's a reason, six like, three point shooters who can also defend one through four. Nobody's turning that down. Right. 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 There's a reason like 30 schools offered him and everybody that saw him liked him. I mean, it's just, you know, <laughs> when your kids productive at that level and they were playing high level teams in June and July. Yeah. Like what's not to like, you know? The same, yeah. The exact same reason I'm giddy about the commitment and can't wait for 2022 to get here. And we can see him in red and black. I think it's going to be an incredible fit uh, stylistically, but also we haven't had a, a guard or wing with this kind of size in a while. I'd say Jeremiah Davenport's probably the best example. And maybe Daniel Skilling's skill set is close to what Jeremiah is bringing, uh, but maybe, you know, at a higher level earlier on in his, in his career. 
Lastly, I should have done a little more research because I obviously I've watched Cincinnati teams over the years. Uh, and I'm trying to think like who they've, I feel like they mostly have had not like tiny guards, but it's been either like, it's like you six, know, three, six, four, really guards. good. Yeah. Or like really good big men, you know? Yes. Well, um, we're, we're, we're much, we've had a nice run of power forwards. Uh, I jokingly say that we are power forward university when it goes from, it's almost like they take over for each other. It went from, from Danny Fortson to Kenyon Martin to Jason Maxiel to Eric Hicks. I mean, just one after another, after another Gary Clark from North Carolina, um, it's been a nice run. We have these kind of six, 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 seven wings haven't been as common. Uh, but if we can get more of those in the program, I think we'll be better for it. Like, like Jacob Evans was more of like a physical interior guy, right? No, no. Jacob Evans is more of a wing, but he's closer to probably six, four, six, five. Um, I mean, look, he was, a oh, long, no, he okay. was I was thinking of somebody else. No, he was a long athletic prospect and that's why he got drafted in the first round by golden state. I think because okay. of what his physical tools were. Um, the jump shot never necessarily translated to that NBA level, but very high level college player. And I think if Daniel yes. Skilling's followed in that sort of mold where he's where he's hitting from three, being an elite defender, Jacob Evans might be a solid comp within our own Cincinnati Bearcat history. Now it's gonna bug me who I was thinking of, but I'll I'll send you a DM in 20 minutes. Like, oh yeah. <laughs> Well, let me know um, if there's any other college players, maybe from Philadelphia past or, or across the country. Um, I don't always want you to have to feel the pressure of comparing him to an NBA player because that is setting lofty expectations, but maybe who are I'll some... be honest. I do not, I do not watch a lot of NBA. So fair enough. Uh, that, I wouldn't even be good. Very good at that. Yeah, no, that's a good question. Um, I have to pull in my John Rothstein. Who is he like? Um, Rothstein's on uh, shaky ground right now with Bearcat fans. So you've gone with, oh, okay. Yeah. I... Well, he said we were, we were at an all-time low a, a matter of maybe oh, six gotcha, months ago, gotcha. and it's, it's quite, quite the opposite now. I, uh, I muted him on Twitter. Um, <laughs> that's a good question. Honestly, because, like, you know, when I think of, like, his length, I think of, like, a Mikhail Bridges. But, but that, that's not a total – like, Skillings is a more developed scorer than Bridges was coming out of Great Valley. Coming – you know, Great Valley Bridges was still very sort of, like, raw and awkward and needed that redshirt year to really grow into things. And Skillings is much more smooth and polished already. But just he has that similar length. Derek Jones Jr. had that length, but Derek Jones was just an incredible athlete who didn't have the, the skill set again, and certainly not the shot that Skillings has. Um, you know, maybe like a Noah Collier that came out of West Town is at Pitt now. Collier's got a little more length. Um, it's tough when you're talking about guys that are this level because they all tend to be a little, you know, they're all a little different from each other. You know, it's like there sure. isn't one specific mold. All top, all top 50 guys are just, you know, they all just do things a little bit differently. Physically, um, Mikael Bridges is who popped into my head when you talk about six, 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 seven with a with a elite wingspan and maybe not necessarily yeah. above the rim athleticism because I don't know him for, for that either. But but just the ability to be very disruptive de defensively. That's exactly what he does Mikhail, for the Suns now. Yeah, Mikhail, I think, is a little twitchier, you know? But again, that's like we're talking about Mikhail now. Mikhail is a, right. you know, after three years at Villanova. As a high-level NBA more, player, right. Right, 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 right. You know, I'm thinking about Mikhail. Like, I was there at Great Valley when he scored his 1,000th high school point, and he was a very good high school player. But, you know, I mean, again, he needed that redshirt year at Villanova for a reason. He wasn't quite ready at that point. I think Skillings is a little more advanced. There's, again, there's going to be a, a comp that pops into my mind. 
uh, 10 minutes after we talked, that's like, oh, that was the perfect guy. But yeah, there, there, isn't, there isn't a perfect one that, that hits me at the moment. Um, I'll give you a fun, I'll give you a fun project to watch a little bit of Jeremiah Davenport film from the last season. Okay. He currently plays for the Cincinnati Bearcats. He's going to be a junior this coming season. There might be some similarities to their game um, in terms of how Jeremiah Davenport has executed as a sophomore. Now, I don't think Jeremiah was as ready as a freshman because he shot 14% from three his freshman year, but he took a huge leap last season, was considered for all conference honors, projecting this year to be one of the best players in the conference. That might be someone where there actually are some some comparisons. You could validate them though, because I haven't actually seen much of of Daniel Skilling's play at this point. Okay, and I'll and I'll talk to some friends who are scouts. That I'm I'm always bad at the comparison game, and uh, there's a, I have some friends that are better, and they'll they'll probably come up with a name that I'm I'm totally missing. Um, and yeah, actually, you know, you should be able to watch him sooner. A, a good a number of the Catholic League games do find their way onto live streams, and a few of them are free online. So uh, there should be ways for Cincinnati fans to watch uh, watch Dan play. Uh, at some point sooner rather than uh, waiting for a whole other year. Well, I'll make sure I'm blasting those out throughout the season. Josh, I really appreciate you taking the time to to share some information about uh, Daniel's game. And uh, last question for you. I found out last night you're a massive Survivor fan. I'm a huge fan of the show myself. So I'm kind of curious maybe to get a flavor for what kind of Survivor player you like. Who are some of your favorite favorite players from the past however many seasons? Oh, man. 40 seasons, I suppose you have to choose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Wow. So the guys, I mean, I like, you know, I'm a, I'm a smart, you know, nerdy guy. Like I, you know, and I, I just, I appreciate the people that understand who they are and then use that to their advantage by playing other people. You know what I mean? Like, like, I think the first person that comes to mind with that is Parvati and it wasn't maybe her first season, but, but her second season, when she came on, she's like, okay, everybody knows me as a huge flirt, but I'm way smarter than that. And I can take advantage of how people perceive me to then play a game that they don't see coming. And she's regarded as one of the greatest of all time. I mean, Wendell Holland, um, who won season 36, he went to my high school, not the same wow. year, but he's a few years older than me. He's a Harrodin grad. And uh, we have a bunch of friends in common. I haven't met Wendell yet, but, um, you know. And he was I, on the All-Star great. cast, right? Didn't he come back for the, like, yeah, the correct, greatest, correct. The greatest the season as well? War, yeah. Yep. Um, I, I, I do. I have like a few person, like Christian Hubicki from David vs. Goliath, you know, who just, again, like total nerd, but like understood who he was and like how he used that to his advantage. He didn't win, but a, a great character. And then I, I also like, maybe my favorite of all time, and it's also because we like, we're like Twitter buddies now, like is Rick Devins, uh, who played a few years ago former news anchor who just like, again owned who he was. He's awesome. He's a great guy. He like, he knows who he is and then how to use that within the context of the game. So it's just the people that are self-aware, you know, they have a little bit of versatility, like they can win a, a, a physical challenge, but they can also win a mental challenge and they're, they're, you know, they're playing a good game and making alliances and, you know, making moves and not being afraid to play survivor. And I think Devin's like, you know, he didn't win, but he 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 played Survivor. Um, oh, Devin Devin's was absolutely fantastic. I loved how Devin um, played that entire season. Jonathan Penner is another one of my all-time favorites. You know, Penner just like like so you can kind of see the the people Yule Kwan. You know, like I like good people. Like I I really like the good people who go out there and play. My dad's favorite of all time is Boston Rob, and Boston Rob's amazing. Like he's you know he's a great, but. Um, uh, he dominated yeah. a season so thoroughly it made the season completely unwatchable. The, the- I actually like watching this. I've watched yeah. Redemption Island a couple of times. <laughs> if only for uh, I can't. I think the guy's name was Matt, who they like voted out early and then comes back and is like, "I was going to vote you out, Boston Rob, but I'll be nice to you this time." And Boston Rob's like, "Why would you tell me that?" And then re-votes that guy out oh. the same night. I love it. I love it. So love brutal. It. 
So bro, it's like, uh, who, I just picture him. I, I picture him getting fed like grapes on the beach. Basically, <laughs> he was having the most wonderful time. No stress, no fear at all. Um, the first guy that you comes to mind it. for me, I loved. Um, I loved Cochran. I was a huge Cochran guy. Okay. I would have loved to see him come back for Winners at War, but I, I think what what was his reasoning? It was just that he he kind of went out on top, and he's going to let it I be. I think he experience. works for CBS. I think he works for CBS now. I don't think uh, he can okay. be because he like writes for shows and i think he works for cbs i think that's what it was gotcha gotcha so yeah i, I do kind of gravitate to some of the similar players as you i thought devins from the past few seasons he was one of my favorite like favorite favorite players of all time i i was devastated when he got voted out at the end of that season like, I, it was like you deserve this you've played this game better than anybody else but as we know that's yeah. not how this necessarily works um and then look i do enjoy a chaos agent from time to time so uh, going back and re-watching one of the the seasons from from russell Hans, I mean, that's obviously there's some there's some level of enjoyment. It's a sick level of enjoyment I get out of out of some of the things he pulls. But there is a bridge too far. What was his nephew's name? Brandon. Brandon. I mean, and that yeah. was like that was like maybe they shouldn't have put you on the show type behavior. Correct. 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 I mean, I love like Sandra is amazing. Like her like from the first episode of Pearl Islands where she's like negotiating with the lady. And I mean, Sandra's an incredible. Eric, and I, was, I also do have a really soft spot. Another one of my Twitter buddies is Eric Reichenbach. Who's okay. been on twice, and Eric most probably you know famously known for giving away his immunity at one uh, tribal council, and then like getting to another final four, and then having a medical emergency and having to be evacuated. And I just like he just plays the game with such enthusiasm and knows who he is again. And just like I just feel bad that his experience hasn't ended the way that he wanted it to. But he's one of my all-time favorites. I'm good. I'm blanking on the name, but he's been on a few times. He's kind of got a southern twang to him. He definitely won one JT. season. JT. It could be JT. He also, I think, got voted off by giving away an idol at one point. Yes, by yes. giving away his idol to Russell. Correct. Yeah. So JT, I did like JT yeah. very much too, but it, it, he sort of ebbed yes. and flowed from like really, really good and savvy <laughs> to also kind of yes. taking wild swings and getting burned, burned on him. So yeah, um, my yeah. wife's a huge Ozzy fan. Like she's just she oh, loves yeah. Ozzy. She'll Ozzy. she'll watch Ozzy. Yep. Do you have a Do you have a, an opinion or a take on Coach? Do you remember Coach? Oh, I oh 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 yeah. yeah. Well, so okay, so we binged watched every season like two years ago. So that's why I remember so much of this is because like this is still pretty fresh in my mind. Um, I think Coach got better each time. I still don't know. Like, part of me still thinks he's like playing a character, you know, and that he oh. like won't ever really admit that he like is is fully in character on Survivor. And I think he tries to play it off as like, no, that's really who I am, but. He plays it. No, I think like I find him entertaining and enjoyable differently from like Philip um, from Redemption Island, who was like also a wacko, but like not in an entry. Like he was another guy that I'm like, this guy shouldn't really be out there. Like he's he's. It's not the, in a positive way. The coach underwear, the acting. Like, yeah. I think coach yeah. is playing up a character. Like I think, I Correct. think that is coach, but he's just exaggerating a little bit for the television. Correct. Correct. And then like, and, and, you know, Tyson who sort of like, also I've like really Tyson really grew on me, you know, his first season, I was like, Oh, I don't really like this guy. And like Tyson, you know, became aware of like, Oh, this is how I come across and let me try to change it a little bit and soften up. And like Tyson did his best to talk to coach and be like, you have to tone it down a little bit. <laughs> um, but I do generally find coach like entertaining. I'm pretty sure my wife can't stand it. Uh, but I think he's like, he's harmless. You know, there's like, 
there's harmless people and like they're fine and then there's the people like you know we've seen out there that can really do harm to other people and those right. people that i don't like you know it's like if you want to be a little crazy out there but you're not hurting anybody that's fine like go go be a, a character but like if you're a character that then is like insulting other people or dumping the rice into the fire or like actually hurting other people like no that that's not enjoyable then for me right. you know Right, right. I, I, I totally Which is why, agree. Like, this, this season seems like a bunch of really good people. And like for me, I know there's people out there that are like, oh, I want to see assholes and I want to see terror. No, like, I want to see like 18 good people who actually play the game, you know? And it's like, if they have to backstab, that's okay. But like, I'd rather than just, I'd like, at least like them to be good people who are acknowledging like that we're dealing with humans, you know? Have you ever tried to, tried to get on the show? Oh, I would, I would be the worst survivor ever. So I would, I would like, I was literally watching last night. I was like day two, I would be dead. Like that challenge of them, like lugging, I would like have a heart attack. I, 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 I'm, I'm a, you know, I'm a city Jewish boy with a Jewish boy stomach. Like I would be, I would be dead in three days out there. Like I would just have like IBS every morning. I would be a nervous wreck. Like, no, like I have no interest in ever being on survivor. It would be a horrible idea. Um, yeah, no. No, it wouldn't ever happen. I envision myself as being pretty solid at the relationship building piece. I think I could get people on my side, but I would never, I would have no feel for when to like backstab. I would have no feel for that whatsoever. And therefore I would leave myself open as, as the guy who's completely unknowingly going home one day, probably like three episodes in or something. Like there's the the show, The Circle, which is like, you know, has some similarities, but you're inside near an apartment, you're playing, like, I would be good at the at the circle, like a game where I can just be in an inside near a toilet, like, that would be fine for me, like, no, I would be medically evacuated from Survivor in like day four, I'd be okay with the social part, but I just like would have no energy, <laughs> it would be terrible. Right, well, Josh, I appreciate you coming on again, talking about Daniel Skillings, talking with me about uh, Survivor. I'm glad we got it back in our lives. That was a long hiatus we had to we had to go through there. Amen. You can find Josh's work at cityofbasketballlove.com. And then yep. uh, you're on Twitter at JM Verlin, V-E-R-L-I-N. I will link to your website, link to your Twitter in the show notes. Thank you very much for joining the Cincy Slang and Bearcat podcast. Yeah, thanks so much, Zach. This was a lot of fun. Appreciate it, man.